What a fun way to end an argument with a buddy who insists that Chris Letang is expendable. Ask the buddy who would take his place. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. And it's been a heck of a week for the hockey club. Obviously, not at all in a good sense. Losing in Game 7 overtime hurts. Losing that way when you have legitimately, statistically, analytically, objectively outperformed your opponent in six of the seven games in that series hurts all the more. But then throw on top of all of that, the uncertainty that's coming with an offseason that's really unlike any in franchise history. It would be a pretty remarkable offseason, even if it were just Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel and, and a couple other guys who they'd have to make decisions on. But it's way more than that. It's two of the biggest figures in team history. In, of course, Latang and Evgeny Malkin. And whenever there's a combination of events like this, emotions are going to be that much higher related to each specific facet, never mind the whole collective. And we're not going to think as rationally. And we're going to say things like, yeah, sure, let Latang walk. We can do without him. Or the same for Gino, and I'm here to try to at least bring some grounding reality to that today because all you have to do is take 58 out of your lineup, take all those minutes, take all that ice time, take the power play one responsibility, take the penalty killing responsibility, take the matchup responsibility, which is something that nobody pays attention to, but is a very real thing to the coaches. Take the durability factor, take the experience, take the smarts, take the offense that he brings also underappreciated in Pittsburgh and tell me who and how would replace that in any form, not a single player, in any form. Tell me how the Penguins' defensive core even stays close to the same without him. Well, (laughs) I'm still sitting here waiting. And I'll be waiting a really long time because no one's going to be able to come up with an answer. If you are the biggest detractor of Latang. If you can't stand whenever he gets into one of his modes and starts making a bunch of mistakes and you really hold those against him and you've wanted to see him gone since however long, you still can't answer this question because no one can. And the hockey team's management knows it, which is why the hockey team's management is going to have to come around and sign this extraordinary talent. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 
can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I believe that they will sign this extraordinary talent. I believed all along that Latang and Malkin will both be retained. Mostly because I know for a fact that both of them very much want to stay to the extreme that when Latang was asked the other day if, regardless of what kind of offer he got from someone else, he would give the Penguins the opportunity to match, and he kind of snapped back, like not in a pleasant way, of course, like as if he was insulted by the notion that he wouldn't. Listen to this from Latang from that same session, Getaway Day, earlier this week in Cranberry, and tell me what you think as far as his desire to stay in Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I always signed an extension in the past, so... Um, it's not something I, I know what to expect. And, um, you know, um, always been the, the main goal is to stay here and, and, uh, and play in Pittsburgh. So, um, don't know, don't know what to expect. And, you know, um, you know, we, I certainly try to help build, uh, something, uh, something good here and, um, obviously want to keep it going. That's not interesting. That's that's not interesting. That does not make for a good debate. Hmm, does Latang really want to stay, or does he want to secretly go to Montreal and play for his old agent with the Canadians? So the one thing you can suppose is that there would be a team, let's just stick with Montreal as long as we're on the subject, that would grossly overpay. Well, they won't, though, because... Latang is going to be 36 years old, and that's probably at least 30 in Latang slash human years. And you're just not going to see another team grossly overpay for someone at that age. This isn't a case like where you have some young superstar and you're willing to just pour out whatever because you know you're going to get the next 8, 10 years out of them or something like that. At any given moment, anyone, yes, even Latang, can slow down. And when that happens, even to the very, very best of professional athletes, and those of you who follow football in our town will know what I'm talking about and who I'm about to reference because we saw it with Troy Polamalu, who was an absolute freak. But then when he hit the end, oh boy, he hit it really hard. If you're looking for a hockey example, I'll throw in Chris Kunitz. Obviously not at Troy's level in terms of prominence, but Kunitz, when he hit his wall, it was unmistakable. No one, anywhere, not even Latang's former agent in Montreal, is going to blow up the scale to the point where they come back to the Penguins and he says, well, the Canadians are offering me a gazillion dollars over the next gazillion years, and you have 10 minutes to match. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. And this is very much for the better. Look, the perfect situation here is that the Penguins had some loaded farm system, and they had so many defensemen, right-handed, mind you, at Wilkesbury, that they could just say, hey, let them go. We can't have these guys hitting their heads on the ceiling down there anymore. Well, they don't have that. They don't have that. P.O. Joseph should be in the NHL next year. He's a lefty. He's not Chris Letang. 
Mike Matheson's Here Now shows a world of talent. Goofy, crazy talent. But he's a lefty, and he's not Chris Letang. Who's going to be your number one defenseman? Not that they have to be right-handed. But with Matheson and Dumoulin here, and both lefties, you're probably looking at someone who's got to have a very, very prominent role on this team, whether they're number one or not, who's slotted in that number one right-handed spot. And I'm about to say who you're about to say, and it can't be John Marino. I'm sorry, it can't be. If he puts on like another 15 pounds and really makes himself more of a physical presence, in particular the way he was in his rookie year and golfing attackers as they'd crossed the Pittsburgh blue line, he looked like a poor man's Kale McCarr. And that's not an insult. That's actually a really high compliment. And then, you know, he just wasn't that. And for the most part, hasn't been that. You have no choice if you're the Penguins, but to keep Lieutenant. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Sean, who asks DK with all the impending cap crunching with the Pens UFAs and no guarantee of jettisoning some of that from the blue line. What low cost internal options could there be? We all know P.O. Joseph looks ready, but could the team say try out some of the young forwards in Wilkesbury like Sam Poulin, Alex Nylander, or Valtteri Pustinen? The first thing I want to do with your question here, Sean, is is break off Pustinen into his own category. My feeling on Pustinen is that he needs to be in the NHL next season with this team regardless. Now, that doesn't mean carte blanche. If he goes back to Finland and just sits in saunas all summer long and gets overweight, he's obviously not worthy of the roster. But what I saw of Pustinen in training camp, what I saw of him in that one game that he played for the Penguins was someone who would be a very good fit on a lot of fronts, not just for the Mike Sullivan system, but also for what this team needs, what it's missing. When we look at this past playoff, and this is one of the things I'm going to be examining over the long summer ahead, is that the Penguins created so much offense. I referenced it in the first segment where they dominated the Rangers. Five on five, this was a blowout. And six of the seven games were that way. Nobody wants to hear this, but what really did the Penguins in? Well, two things. One, lousy goaltending. Hate to keep bringing it up, but it happens to be true. And the other is that they didn't finish. They didn't finish. And this has been going on for a while. And you can ask yourself, well, that seems kind of crazy because look at the talent that they have. That's one thing they should be doing. If you go back to the Penguins' great teams, you go back to their championship teams, they were always very high in shooting percentage because they had guys who could get the job done. Well, guess what? Those teams, at least the last couple, had Patrick Hornquist on them and had other guys who weren't shy about going to the net and scoring playoff-type goals. If you think of some of the goals the Penguins scored in this series, you'll recall that a lot of them were like that. They don't do enough of that. When you watch Ricard Raquel, right off the bat, 
As soon as he showed up here, he started going to the net. Not because someone told him to, but because it felt natural. I saw a lot of that in Pustinen as well. And this is someone who, even though he's not a big dude and he's not going to, you know, make some kind of massive physical Tim Kerr type presence in front. If he's there and he combines that with his skill, he adds something to this team. So I want to see Pustinen on the roster. So let's separate him from Poulin and Nylander, who's obviously a little bit in the older category, Nathan Legere, other players that are in Wilkes-Barre. Radim Zahorna is another one, still waiting for him to kind of take that next step, presuming it's coming. I find it absolutely mind-blowing that there's a six foot seven forward in the organization who doesn't get taught how to penalty kill, but that's maybe another subject for another day. The answers aren't there in any obvious form, to me, other than Pustinen. I know Poulin came along as the season went along. I know that it was a really bumpy ride for Legere throughout the year, but it's a known issue of this organization that there haven't been prospects exactly banging down the door, and that's because Jim Rutherford spent much of the past decade just giving away all of the team's draft picks. This is what happens. It catches up to you. It catches up really hard. But within that same spirit, the last thing you want to do is hold someone down when they are kind of banging down the door. And Pustinen wasn't doing that in terms of massive numbers or anything, but he has NHL skill level. He has NHL level want to, and he provides something that you currently aren't getting from your third line, fourth line forwards. And if he fits in in a role like that, and you can teach him how to do things in the defensive zone, you've got yourself a potentially really nice solution, or at least someone to work into the depth, rather than, you know, sitting around and just tolerating guys going through 20, 22, 24 game scoreless streaks, which happened to how many guys this year? Can't happen. You've got to be getting goals from all places, because when the playoffs come around, they can't all come from Jake Gensel and a couple other guys, or all those wonderful possession metrics go to waste. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll be back Monday with more.